Welcome to Foot on Your Neck. And as always, your host Jana and Nia here to apply the motherfucking pressure. I never know how to start the episode. Yeah. <laughs> so we always... press record, John, to start dancing. Bounce, wow, like, what are you doing? I think it's a good intro. But they can't see you. I mean, it doesn't. You didn't need to say that I was dancing. <laughs> they didn't need to know. But anyway, welcome we back. We need to go back to recording so that everyone can see your dances. Yeah. Your pre recording dances. No. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, nerve. Thank you. <laughs> nerve. Thank you. <laughs> Welcome back to it. The 14th. 14th episode of season two of, of F. What? I was going to say foot on Who? your neck. I was going to say F-Y-N. I know. Okay. Foot on your neck? Yeah, let's just start. Okay. Welcome to season two, episode 14 of foot, foot on, on your, your neck. neck. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> hey. We have a very, very lovely episode planned for today. Yeah. Probably not the best. Cause Definitely one of the favorites. Yeah. Yeah. And I think also like like this topic we just love. Yeah. Deeply. So it's going to be really good. Yeah. So we're just going into the episode, right? Mm-hmm. So we're going to start with our lightning round. Oh. Yeah. I don't have the schedule in front of me. I'm usually the schedule bearer. You know, today it's all good. Nia is the schedule bearer, so I don't know. Well, actually, let's talk about the episode first. Okay. Yeah. So me and Jana were coming up with topics for this season, and we were like, "What should we talk about?" And I'm actually surprised we didn't talk about this sooner. Yeah. Because we well, actually, you know, we, we had a plan about though books. for it. Yeah. We did. We talked about books our very first episode. On radio. Yes. And of It wasn't course, the focus, though. It wasn't the focus, but we talked about, like, what we read over the summer. Mm-hmm. Because we read a lot over the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is more so a, a a life analysis of books. But today's yeah. episode is about our favorite pieces of written works by black women and femmes. <laughs> I'm so excited to talk about this. <laughs> But we have to do our lightning round. We're doing a condensed version of our lightning round to get to the good part. Mm-hmm. But it's gonna be a good one. It's exciting. It Ooh, is. Let's go, Jonathan. First this Bird time. Man hands. Red man hands. Red man hands. <laughs> All right. Um, my question for Nia is: What's something your brain tries to make you do, and you have to will yourself not to do it? What? 
My brain tries to make me do it. I have to warn myself not to do it. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is so bad. I have to. Well, okay. My first answer, like, seven years ago would have been biting my nails. I was a nail biter as a yeah. kid, too. Yeah. I bit my nails a lot. And sometimes, if you see me biting my nails now, I'm, like, super anxious. Like, now it's the... I've really, like, reprogrammed my brain to not bite my nails anymore. But if I am biting my nails, I'm deeply worried about something. <laughs> like... Noted. Intensely. <laughs> like... Or maybe I'm just bored, but, like, I realize I only do that when I'm, like, really pounding on an idea. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still bad about this. Picking my pimples. Oh. oh. I have my moments where I get really bad at that. Skin looks great. Yeah. Y'all should see me in skin. It looks it, amazing. It don't look that great to me because I know that I have a bad habit of picking my pimples. So, I'm, like, it, w- it could be better. Okay. Like, I'm fucking my own shit up. But... Thank you. Thank You're you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. My brain also. Oh. No, that was the second one. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was the second one. Bite my nails, picking pimples. Okay. Ooh, yeah. She watched Dr. Pimple Popper. I don't go. I don't like I'm, shit like that. I know that. you. I know it's you so, don't. I just had to be. But you know what I do watch? I do watch. Um, I can't remember her name right now, but it's this black lady. She lives in St. Louis, Missouri, and she is a waxer, and she picks out people's ingrown hairs. Oh, that sounds very satisfying. It's a lot more satisfying than pimples. I feel like pimples are very vulgar. Gross. Like, other people's shit is vulgar. And Dr. Pimple Parker gets really extreme, like, cysts and all that. I'm like, I don't want to see all that. But I do love getting out ingrowns. Like, I do love watching shit like that. Okay. I'm a, I need to remember her name because she's also a black woman, and I'm like, perfect place to plug this woman. But... Oh, I can't forget her. I can't remember her name. But she's so funny. And she does like, she records a video and then she does voiceovers over on top of them sometimes with her daughter. And her daughter be like, ew, what's that, a bugger? Like, it's so cute. That's hilarious. But yeah, I love that channel. Okay. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Yep. You're next. <laughs> okay. <laughs> if you could teleport anywhere right now, where would you go? Oh my gosh. Oh, Wow. Honestly, the first thought was off this planet into another one. Oh, my damn. Like, I don't like it here. I mean, I do. But, like, we decimate the earth so often. It's awful. It makes me feel bad. But, um, teleports. I'm going to say Australia. Mm. Um, I thought I would never go to Australia, but it's been attractive, attracted to me a lot more. But I think what turns me off about Australia is how far away it is from Very everything, far. too. And I wouldn't want to sit through the flight of that. And they have big-ass so, spiders. Like, they have insects and things that exist there that don't exist nowhere else. Exactly. Ah! I think that's kind of cool, but it's also really beautiful there, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so there... I think that's about... It for now, maybe like somewhere right now. in Africa. Oh, well, like, the good thing about Australia, you wouldn't have to sit through the flight, you'd be teleported exactly. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's a good choice. Like a more practical reason, that Less, is, a yeah, good, yeah, actually, like <laughs> no flight around the world, yeah, yeah. So that's my answer. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Okay, oh, yeah, it's my turn. Okay, I was like, <laughs> yeah, go ahead, Nia. Tell yeah, me looking at me question. like <laughs> expecting something. <laughs> All right, when you're old. Like, gray. Okay. What do you think children will ask you to tell stories about? Oh, my God. Oh, this is a good question. <laughs> oh. I would 
hope that they're asking me to tell them stories about like people who were alive when I was alive. Mm-hmm. When I mean, when I was younger, my friends, um, their relatives, like maybe their great grand, like their grandfather, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, about their parents growing up, about. Um, maybe things that I've written or things that I was in or did, mm. um, places I went, um, things that I learned about life. Oh, I don't know. But I'm trying to think about, like, you know, like when I talk to my grandma, I have particular stories that I have her tell over and over again. I don't know what that story would be for them. Probably something crazy, like, <laughs> probably not yet to happen because I know I'm going to have a crazy life. From this point out, because I've had a crazy life. Crazy life. Thus far, for real. <laughs> like, I went to a lady, not went to a lady, but this lady, she like acted like she read poems, but she was like, You have a lot of lines in your hands. That means you're going to have a crazy life. And I'm like, oh My goodness. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know if she was actually a palm reader, but <laughs> growing up, I was known to have very deeply, like, I have a lot of intense lines on my hand. Kids were like, You have wrinkles on your hand. <laughs> I'm like, fuck y'all, these are not wrinkles. Oh my goodness. Like, I have the same amount of lines as anybody else, but even the smallest ones are really, like, profound. Yeah. So, a crazy story. Okay. A really crazy, funny story. <laughs> Hopefully. I hope my stories are funny when I'm oh, a lady. they will be. Yeah. I think they will be. You won't have an issue with that. Yeah. That's a great question. That's a great question. <laughs> okay. This next question for Jonna, I stole off of one of our favorites, Instagram. We're not going to say his name, but he's oh. a celebrity whose music we love. <laughs> um, and he asked, if you were a drug, what drug would you uh, be? Do you like drugs? drugs? Yes. <laughs> drugs, drugs, drugs. Um, <laughs> I'll never forget Mylon saying that. Um, ooh. I like this. Um, honestly, weed. Okay. Like, which what? is not a drug. I wouldn't consider it a drug. It's a plant. But, um... Well, you can't pick weed if it's not a drug. Okay. You're right. Okay, 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 okay. I honestly... Maybe DMT. Because it's quick. Mm-hmm. You're not really, like, in the zone for that long. What is DMT again? It's just, like, from what I know. I'm thinking of um, Chambers. I don't know if you ever watched Chambers mm. on Netflix, Mm-mm. but it's about this indigenous young woman who gets, she needs to have her heart, like a heart transplant, mm-hmm. and she gets it from this white girl, and like she's connected to the family, and they like take her in, and it just gets really fucking crazy. Like she starts like seeing the girl or something what? like weird. It was just a lot, but. In that show, she does DMT to get closer to the girl to talk to her about, like, hey, oh. like, what happened? Like, how did you die? And, like, all this other stuff. Because mm-hmm. she ends up killing you. Like, she commits suicide or something like that. Oh. Yeah, it was something really weird. But it was actually really interesting. It was a great... They only did one season. They canceled it. But anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're not high for that long. Okay. Like, um, but it's really intense. Do you, do you like, have hallucinations? intense. Yes. Oh, okay. Like... Is it like shrooms? It's like, it's a crystal form, so you smoke it. Oh. Like, mm-hmm. um, I wouldn't do it. Yeah, no, 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 no. But, 
Yeah, I think that's. I think it's a very interesting, like drug. drug. Okay. Yeah, like it's like the pure crystal form of whatever, of something. Maybe that's in like other drugs or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like something like that. Either that or LSD. Okay. Like beep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I might. I, I would do LSD, but. Things get scary once they get past, like, once they're, like, chemically compounded. Like, yeah. I get nervous. So, like, yeah. yeah. I just, you <laughs> like this movie um, that I, I didn't, I don't mean I found out about the movie. But it's not that new. It came out two years ago. With um, Anthony Mackie and the white guy from Fifty Shades of Grey. Um, oh, it's, it's called Synchronic. looking. It's called Synchronic. And it's about this designer drug that is, like, allowing people to time travel. Ooh, it's actually kind of cool. And that it would be cool. Yeah, that would be. I can see you being a drug be like really that. Really cool. I want to know. Yeah, I, I think you know. like the movie. It's called Synchronic. Okay. Yeah, that was a good movie. Okay. So first book, well, first yeah. work, because it's not just books; it's works that yeah. we would like to talk about. So everything on here isn't going to be a book mm-hmm. or a novel, um, but we'll talk about each thing as we go by. But the first. And each each um, offering that we suggest are our favorites. We're gonna tell you three things about them, like how easy it was to read, mm-hmm. um, the meaning or importance to us, and who we would recommend read this. So I pulled the straw. I'm first. <laughs> um, the first piece of text that I will be throwing into the conversation um, is I'm assuming it's an essay. It's an essay um, by Audre Lorde called Poetry is Not Luxury. Mm-hmm. And I think, if I remember correctly, it was featured in Uses of the Erotic when it was compiled into, it was a collection of essays. And I think the title was Uses of the Erotic. I might be wrong, but we're going to make sure to compile Cite a list them of all this correctly. stuff. Yeah. yeah. And where you can find them. Um, and I was telling John before we started recording this piece. Of writing is so important to me because I feel like um, I feel like it triggered my desire to write and That's beautiful my desire to write like intimately about myself and about things that I'm experiencing versus like trying to write abstractly about the world like how they teach us in high school right mm-hmm. like write an mm-hmm. essay you need proof and all this this essay really like I was. I told John I was reading yesterday, and I literally was reading and started crying tears because it's so good. I feel like I just read it every time throughout the past, like what five years or four years that I've known about this piece of writing. And every time I read it, it's like that scene in Black Panther where Angela Bassett looks down at T'Challa and is like, "Remember who you are." Like every time I read this, I feel like that. It just feels so good and so timeless. Mm. That's a good feeling. Yeah. From a piece of writing. Yeah. That's intense. I love, I love, uh, but okay. So I'm going to read a small excerpt that I think is important. Um, okay. So this is a second to last paragraph and it says for within structures defined by profit, by linear power, by institutional dehumanization, our feelings were not meant to survive. Kept around as unavoidable adjuncts are pleasant pastimes. Feelings were meant to kneel to thought as we were meant to kneel to men. But women have survived. As poets, and there are no new pains. 
We have felt them all already. We have hidden that fact in the same place where we have hidden our power. They lie in our dreams, and it is our dreams that point the way to freedom. They are made realizable through our poems that give us the strength and courage to see, to feel, to speak, and to dare. I mean, that paragraph alone was like, I just, I don't know. I just love this piece of writing. You're going to say something. It reminds me of, um, I think just when we talk about dreams and like, it just reminds me of the nap ministry, Mm -hmm. just talking about how we need rest, like rest is liberation and like you get that through your dreams, like your dreams have messages Mm -hmm. and just hearing you talk about that and like reminding me of that and I think they're definitely linked to each other Mm -hmm. in the same sense but when I first read that which I just not first but I read it before but Mm -hmm. read read it again Nia made me read before we started recording but (laughs) can you go into a little bit more about what poems are because it's not like talking about like what we just yeah the first time I read this it was like my second year of college and maybe I should get into yeah yeah go ahead so I like randomly y'all I've had a struggle identifying with myself as a writer. Mm. So I was like randomly in college as we all do in college, just like, let me sign up and go to this shit. So I went to this writing workshop that was hosted by the Chicano studies department at our school. And it was like once every other week and we would go and we would like have assigned readings and we would chat about readings and bring in some of our own work and everyone would read it and give notes. It was so cool. A little head ass, but I loved it. And it was like with mostly grad students and it was led by a black woman and a Latino woman wonderful space now I think about it like probably one of the only times at UCLA where I felt like in a group discussion where I'm like everybody here's on the same page Mm. it was now I think about it it was a wonderful space what the fuck um but that's where like I feel like my my writer self was born and I was like wow like this is kind of cool and I mean I kept going back every every week of that quarter so I was like obviously this is feeding me somehow but after we read this I was like poems i don't write no damn poetry what the fuck but it's not like and i think this is how i came to understand the word poetry and i think because poetry is a like it's a rhythm of our life of our everyday life and like Mm. how we understand stories how we understand time trauma like it's not just words like written poetry is how we and maybe this is just me everybody's different but for me like written poetry is how I learn more about those things but it is also like work like written poetry awakens those things in me that are already poems do you get what I'm saying yes right like yes I don't know it puts something it puts words to things that we experience and feel yes and I think and particularly in this essay poetry is not luxury I take it as right like Feelings are not are not luxury. Like allowing ourselves to express ourselves and feel ourselves is not uh, like those are things that are innate, things that we need to survive, that are ancient, that are mm. deep, that are necessary to not just liberation, but like to just living our life, living our own life within ourselves, free within ourselves. Like to truly allow yourself to see the parts of yourself that you don't want to see. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. that's a form of liberation, even within itself. Yeah. Like liberating yourself from the self that people told you you should make up. Like yes. that's already one. Like that's it's just 
so and I feel like this also connects a bit back to our episode on black authenticity right and like yeah right and yeah. wanting to like truly live our lives in, in a way where we feel things versus denying things and I like that this um, essay is positioning like art and poetry as power and imagination as power and not as flights of fancy or fantastical or irrational or irresponsible because like you said like dreams and like desire and hopes they aren't they are emotions but they aren't they they should not we should not be played into taking those lightly yeah you know yes like because that's what I really like about this too it just reminds me of of that and I think that's a part of myself that I'm I've been growing into and I'm still growing into but I like that this affirms that externally yeah um so readability <laughs> Jonna was reading it and she was like I had to go over parts of it again it's pretty it's really short I'll give it that like probably 12 paragraphs um a lot of big words and complex syntax yes I had to look up yeah. a couple of words just to make sure I knew what they meant. Yeah, like you probably definitely have to read it twice. So readability on a scale of one to five, five being like kind of challenging to read. I'm going to give it a four. Yeah. I'm going to give it a four because it's not like crazy words like supercalifragilisticexpialidociousness. What like, does that even mean? <laughs> it means nothing. I know. <laughs> but why? That's a real word in the dictionary. Is it? Yeah. Uh. I think it was added. Um, meaning importance to me. I think like you gave us that. Yeah. Yeah. It means a lot. Um, <laughs> I feel like infinite. <laughs> a lot. No, for real. Like, cause every time it's like, that's why I feel like readability for me. It feels really simple because it has so much in it. Mm-hmm. But the words are not the reason why. It's the ideas. So I feel like it's simple in terms of mm. the writing to the message. Like, but whatever. Um. That's skill. That is that is mastery. Yeah. I feel like everybody who I included on this list does that well. Like yeah. only the perfect amount of words. And that's it. And the message is bountiful. Mm-hmm. Uh, ah! Um, okay, sorry, I'm just screaming in y'all ears. Um <laughs> as you can tell I really like <laughs> words and write. Um I I really feel like every this text specifically, the audience is women, period. But I particularly think black women who identify as artists need to read this. Particularly young black women who identify as artists need to read this. And let me not even just say young, but it's imperative that young women read it, but also that women artists of all ages, I think could, black women, women, just go read this if you're listening. Even if you're not a woman, go read this. It's very important. Type in Poetry is Not Luxury by Audre Lorde. The first link that pops up is a free PDF of this text. Pause this and go read it right now. Very short, very important. Moving on. <laughs> I think a good point to about this too is that you haven't only read it once throughout your life. Yeah. And it like when you're saying that even young people should read it, like, so you're not going to only read it once. Like, yeah. read it when you're young, and then it'll have, like, 
more significance as time goes on the Mm -hmm. more times you read it and Mm -hmm. like you know you'll find different messages which i feel like is just all the books that we have all the books on this list yeah me and john have books yeah like have referenced them multiple times yes yeah yeah that was just yeah a point but yeah (laughs) moving on to my first choice yeah which i feel like i reference this book so often like i'm always talking about it i feel like i've talked about the show multiple times but their eyes were watching God by Zora Neale, Zora, Zora, Zora Neale Hurston is probably my favorite book of all time. Let me tell you, I'm not gonna read an excerpt out of it, but or should I? I don't know. I don't. There's so many. I need to reread the book, so I can't even like mm-hmm. go back and like think about it. But this book is very important to me because it was the first book where I truly saw myself Mm -hmm. in the book. Like, not just as a black woman, but, like, as a person. I read it in high school. It was, we read it in my AP language and composition class my junior year. And I was like, oh, my gosh, just paging through the book. Like, wow, like, this is so good. This is so good. This is so good. And it's just talking about Janie and her wanting to define her life for herself Mm -hmm. because she was married off at a really young age um to a man that she didn't love and then um she ends up finding another man who's a lot younger than her i think she had two husbands before that actually yeah she had two husbands and then she finds yeah a younger man named tea cake and then they go into their story about like their romance and their love and like her finding real true love and it was just it's just so beautiful because it follows her from girlhood to adulthood Mm -hmm. and um but I just resonated so much with it because just with wanting to have your own definition of who you are was so important to me as a young teenager Mm -hmm. and it's still important to me now but when I read it I was like something really possible yeah Yeah. this is very possible and somebody else sees it too somebody else wants that for their life and I think Zora Neale Hurston is just such an interesting person mm-hmm. in general. I haven't even read any of her other works, but I know I love her already. But I looked up her chart, and she has a Sag Moon like me. Oh, God. So I yeah. think that's why we're also like, <laughs> she's a Capricorn too, so it's like, oh, we're, we would be friends. Like, yeah. I would love to understand more about her and um, what her life was like to make her want to write something like their eyes for watching God. Um it was definitely, yes, I definitely needed it. It was the perfect book um, at that time. And I feel like it honestly was the beginning of my radicalization mm-hmm. of like me waking up and being like, damn, <laughs> yeah, crackers abound. Like, <laughs> like, like, whoa, whoa. Yeah. And it's not even like it's like a political book. It's just like it. I think what I also really like about it is that it presents people in the way that they are. Like, especially with the the writing, like literally writing words as if they were physically pronounced to you. Like, mm-hmm. with like with an accent. And that wasn't hard for me to read. Like, at first I didn't understand it, but I was like, that makes sense. Why would I... Nobody's going to speak perfect English if this book takes place in the South in the early 1900s, I think, like... You know, so I appreciate her for that. And she's an anthropologist and, like, really understands people for who they are. Yeah. So, readability, I would say, like, five is what the easiest. Or, no, that's the five hardest. Five is challenging. 
I would say it's like, I would say it's a one and a half. Like, it's really not a hard book to read, but it has a lot of beautiful metaphors and language in it that I didn't understand as much when I was a teenager, but I understand them a lot now and they hold a lot more weight for me. Um, I love a good metaphor. Yeah, I really, really <laughs> do. Just the way, I think the, the way she talks about nature is really prevalent in the book too and then paralleling it to, because humans are nature, but paralleling it to like the human body and like the oh. way we experience things is really prevalent in that book. Interesting. Yeah, no, I love it. I love it. Like she talks about her blossoming into puberty, like through the pear trees and the bees that are around her and like... Oh, how cool. Yeah, so... And, like, spring, like, paralleling that to her body. Oh, this is so, so interesting. So, I love that. That's kind of the same as my next book. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, perfect. But I think young black women should read this book. If you haven't felt like you've been able to see yourself in a book, even now, like, in our 20s, like, I, I think everybody should read it at any age. Mm-hmm. But I, I need to read it because it reminds me to live my life fully and in love, always in love. So, yes. Oh, I'm used about to cry. I know. I might actually cry during this episode, y'all. Like, I was thinking about it too. Like, oh, I might cry. During y'all might actually get me. Yeah. <laughs> but I was in Jenna before this. Like, I realized, y'all, I am. I don't know if I still am, but I definitely grown up was a bibliophile. Mm-hmm. Like, I was deeply obsessed with books and with words. Like, if y'all don't know me or see me in person, like, I wear glasses naturally. Because I used to be in my room, bent over my nightlight, my little dim-ass nightlight with a book cracked open, reading. Yeah, that's serious. Like, reading in the dark. Like, I just refused to stop. And mm. nobody else in my family wore, on either side of my family, wears glasses for nearsightedness or did as a child. So I know that I, like, read myself into an astigmatism. Or maybe I just got, like, a weird gene that nobody else got. That's a lie right now. But I think I read myself into an astigmatism. So, yeah. Fun fact. Virgos. <laughs> Virgos. Fun fact. Um, so, my next yes. selection that I'm throwing in the hat. I feel much about this book the same way you feel about The Eyes Are Watching God. Mm-hmm. The Bluest Eye by Toni Morrison. And Toni Morrison just lights my spirit on fire in a way that nobody else has. I feel that. <sighs> I feel that. That's funny. Just like... Yeah. I don't care. Whatever hill Toni Morrison is on, I'll die on it, dance on it, whatever. I don't care. I do not crip care. Walk on that motherfucker. I will crip walk. Like, <laughs> I don't care. Oh, my goodness. Um, I don't even know where to start with this book. But so when I was in um, high school, I was time to do AP Lit. And over the summer, they gave us a reading list. They're like, pick any book off this list. And they had all these names and white people. And everybody was like reading Great Gatsby. I'm like, fuck that book. I knew it was about white people. And I was... Also beginning to radicalize myself, like, I'm fucking tired of white people's shit. Yes. And it said, Toni Morrison, anything. And I'm like, anything. So I looked up, I remember typing in the computer, Toni Morrison, who's this? And I learned she was black. And The Blue Side was the first book that popped up, of course, because she won a Nobel Prize for this book. For this book? Was it for this book? I think it was, it was for this book. Yeah, and this was her first novel, right? Oh, no. Wait, was it? Or was it Sula? Oh, I don't know anymore. I think it was this book. Okay. 
Shame on me because I've done so much research about this book. Like I took a class at UCLA about this book. I wrote a poem about this book. I wrote a monologue about this book. Like this book is deeply seated it's, in my soul. It's the book. Yeah. The book. Um, but anyways, um, and like much like you, this book deals a lot with like colorism and the main character is this dark skinned girl and the the story of this young girl's life is being told through peripheral characters. Um, and we actually don't really hear from Pecola, right, until the end of the story. Um, but it's really about, like, Pecola's yearning for an identity that aligns her closer to whiteness and how... Ugh, it's just so complicated. And how, like, that affects how people view her and treat her throughout, throughout her life and her journey through girlhood. Um, and what I love about this book is that how you were talking about how like people like Toni Morrison does such a beautiful job people. of exposing people for who they are. And even through reading this, it forces you to like confront with the ways in which like we help build up notions of mm-hmm. like beauty and not even just beauty. Right. But like racialization and colorism and how we hold people in contempt as groups of people or even just how like people have to be in contempt in order for us to be worthy right or how we perceive worthiness as it like somebody has to bear the brunt of that and i think this book is really examining the people who are bearing the brunt of colorism and what mm. what it means to be like a dark skin or this experience of this character as a dark skin person in america um, and the writing is so beautiful. And like you were saying, so many metaphors, like the book is divided into seasons. Like oh, there's autumn, yes, summer. Yes. And um, she parallels this young girl's experiences of growing through girlhood as a dark skinned girl with like soil and like flowers blooming and like the propensity of soil to grow things. Yeah. Like that's a reoccurring thing throughout the book, which I was so in love with. Like, like soil being like soil being bad. Right versus seeds, and it was so. Oh yes, the marigolds. So, the marigolds, yes. like blooming, like mm-hmm. that was a reoccurring thing. And mm-hmm. she even plays a lot with like the notions of like, is it domesticity? Like Jack and Jill, like she yes. has the nursery rhyme in here. Um, so many different layers. I cannot get into all of them, but this book, like, I read this and I was like, oh my god! It was the first time I read something that was deeply about blackness. Mm. like deeply invested in blackness and Toni Morrison as a writer read anything that she wrote and it is about blackness whether it is or not like just through her writing or even just womanist or the proper term I guess black female subjectivity is something that I really love about her work and using black female subjects as universal characters who have universal experiences yes, yes. In a humanizing way, which is something throughout her life she got a lot of slack for. And people, a lot of white people in the literature canon tried to disrespect her work because she you wrote about character, black characters as if they were human, which is a really radical thing, allegedly. But it's like fucking, it's the fuck is. We're just as human as anybody else. Yeah. And like, I, that, I'm literally thinking this interview of her talking about like somebody saying like, oh, well, why don't you write about white characters or something mm-hmm. like that? Like, somebody really asked her that. And I can't remember her response, but she was like, literally what you said. Like, yeah. 
this is universal. Like Yeah, and like me being invested in my world. And that's something mm-hmm. too. This book is based in Lorraine, Ohio, which I believe is where she's from. Um, and well, that plays a big Midwest. role. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that plays a big yeah. Their eyes are watching out was also in the Midwest. And I wasn't it? No. It's oh. in the the South. She that's that's Zora Neale Hurston. Oh Zora Neale Hurston, yes, 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 it's from the Midwest. Yeah. yeah. Is she? No, she's from Alabama. Oh, you yeah. keep saying Midwest. I'm thinking that there was a correlation. No, I'm oh, just okay, saying okay. the Midwest. Period. period. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um. Okay. Let me move on because I will talk about this book forever. Um. I'm gonna read an excerpt and then I'll talk about <sighs> which excerpt do I read about love or about contempt? Read about contempt. About contempt. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. I'm going to read about love. Okay. I'm going to read about love. Okay. Love is never any better than the lover. Wicked people love wickedly. Violent people love violently. Weak people love weakly. Stupid people love stupidly. But the love of a free man is never safe. There is no gift for the beloved. The lover alone possesses his gift of love. The love... The loved one is shorn, neutralized, frozen in the glare of the lover's inward eye. So many things about this book. Still, I'm like... And that's the last page, right? Or like one of the last pages. That's the second to last paragraph of the book. The way she ended this book, mind you, I just finished this book probably this year. Mm -hmm. What? Like... (laughs) And I think we talked about it and just being like it actually made me really mad. Like the way she ends book, like how, it's what, like hard to it's just hard to believe. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's hard for me to comprehend. It's not hard to believe, but it's hard to believe because I feel like, or at least the way that I've come to understand is that it really makes it's just a gloomy end. Mm-hmm. Like it's full of so much despair that it's hard to believe. Yeah, but. That's why it is so. You know what I mean? Like, she did not try to soothe anybody. Which and that's I, one thing Toni Morrison don't care about. Yeah, which is what I... <laughs> She's going to end the book the way she want to end the book. Yeah, and I respect it because it made me so mad, which is why, like, I, that piece of poem that I told you that I wrote, I wrote when I finished the book, and I'm like, I cannot believe this. I have to, like, I was, like, arguing with the book because I'm mm. like, it does not make any sense. It doesn't make any sense, but... I don't know. I'm still like kind of grappling with that, but that's why I love it because I'm still chewing on it. Like, what? Um, readability. Toni Morrison's writing to me could get a bit more convoluted than this. Mm. Even though when I first read this in high school, I did have to go back a few times. Yeah. I'm going to give it a 3.5. I don't think this is as complicated to read as. Coming from a Virgo, though, let's, all, let's, let's also say that all of our. Readabilities are very subjective. Yeah, for they each are other. subjective. So take this with. Because Toni Morrison is is not easy to read just because <laughs> she's a smart woman. Yeah, very smart. And she her syntax is also quite complicated at times. Mm-hmm. But I'm gonna say three point five. But let me give it a four because the subject matter can really fuck you up. So it took me five years to read. Yeah, it. but yeah. it's not like it's beloved. If you know what beloved is or read a beloved, that's a fucking five on any scale. Like that book is. Woo! Hard as fuck to read, but I'm gonna give the blue side four. Um, I've already communicated the importance. I recommend this text to. I don't know. Part of me is saying I really think everyone because I think the whole point of this book is like examining how everyone in this book, from 
the lighter skin characters to the men, to the older men, to young girls who are not Pacola, who are not like dark skin like Pacola. Like it's examining everyone's role in building up the, the ideas of like subjugation. So I think in that mm. same vein, it's important that everybody reads this book. People who are dark skin or have experienced like colorism on the who identify because they identify as dark skin, or even people who feel like they've experienced colorism because of being light skinned, I think need to read this book because the core of it is examining how creation is, is created by groups of people mm. and our identities and how it's hard to get outside of that. Are we stuck in it or I don't know, but everybody, because I need to talk to everybody about this book. Um, <laughs> okay, that's that on that. <laughs> on the Toni Morrison tip, that's my second book is Sula. Oh yeah, by yeah, Toni yeah, Morrison. yeah. I haven't read Sula. It's so good, and um, Nyla has been pushing me to read it for a long time because that's her favorite book. So thanks, Nyla. Um, but Raven actually gave it to me. Mm-hmm. She let me borrow her copy, so I don't have the copy with me. But I just finished it maybe like two months ago, and um, yeah, I don't know if you, if anybody knows about Sula, but it, it talks about Sula and her best friend. I can't even remember her name right now, but the two of them, they're like two peas in a pod mm-hmm. since they were born, um, not born, but when they were young girls, but their lives are kind of opposite of each other, and um, in, in the fact that Sula's best friend, like... Her mom is very, like, proper and thinks that she should act this way. And, like, she attends to her husband this way. And, like, women are supposed to do this. And then Sula's mom, like, little Hannah, like, sleeps with a bunch of different men all the time in the community that they live in, Medallion, mm-hmm. Ohio. And, um, like, Sula kind of inherits that trait mm-hmm. when she's older. And it comes between her and her best friend when they're older after... Sula leaves for a time. She comes back. And then it kind of goes into her life and she ends up passing away oh, when she's older. Is that a spoiler? I mean, no. It's okay. not a spoiler. I, I haven't spoiled anything. Okay. I think there's so much more to read. Okay, great. Because I do. I am going to read it. Yeah, no. I think you should read it. But um, I really enjoy this book because it... And like even in the intro, Toni Morrison talks about this, which I think everybody needs to read her intros. I usually skip over them sometimes. No, but yes. No, you need to. The forewords and intros, yes. those alone from any Toni Morrison book are very so important. Good. Yeah, she was talking very about the book. Very important. Yeah. Like she she revisits why like she wrote this book. And exactly. It makes it easier to read one, but it also like is just so. It really sets the tone sets for you. Sets the tone. And she was talking about. I'm gonna read an excerpt out of this book because. You were talking about soil earlier, mm-hmm. and I think that's just a theme in... I've only read two of her books, but I need to read more, but I feel like that's a theme in some of her books, mm-hmm. because she... The extra I'm talking about is literally about soil. Oh, but, wow. Um, yes. Um, but she talks about... She, she really wants to expose what, like, the inner lives of black women, like, of women that's not directly in correlation to a man like Mm -hmm. that's that's literally more about their inner world than it is about like anybody else's and like what's going on in their inner world so it's i think it was so funny i think it's humorous i i've never like chuckled more at a book (laughs) before and i really enjoyed that like i don't normally do that and i don't think the point of the book was supposed to be funny but i think there were i found the funny parts. maybe it. it was 
was. And like, yeah, but it's also very serious at the yeah. same time. I thought it was just expertly written. I was, it was so interesting and entertaining to me. Like, uh-huh. I have to keep reading, I have to keep reading. I got through it kind of quickly. Um, but let me read this excerpt because the language in this is so beautiful. So, so beautiful. <sighs> I miss Toni Morrison. She's an I miss expert. just knowing that you were there. Rest in peace because you deserve it. But girl... Okay, so this is about the character named Ajax in the book um, that Sula ends up kind of getting a little feelings for. She Ooh. wasn't she wasn't really the type to be getting feelings for uh-huh. men. So, but um, so she says, "Oh yes, skin black, very black, so black that only a steady, careful rubbing with steel wool would remove it." And as it was removed, there was the glint of gold leaf. And under the gold leaf, the cold alabaster. And deep, deep down under the cold alabaster, more black. Only this time, the black of warm loam. That is so beautiful to describe somebody. Like, Oh, wow. That's so beautiful. Like, oh, it, wow. just, like it just sends me, like, oh, so good. That was crazy. Oh, so good. Like and you know, it's so like mm. so deeply oh. imaged. You're so yes, dumb. like I just like the idea. You had a better live. Like, I'm dead. Wow, <laughs> wow. Like I don't even know what to say, but yeah, it, it's deeply imaged. Yes, like so deeply. I never thought about describing somebody that way, but mm-hmm. that was so poetic, and it's just in the middle of your book. So poetic. Like, so <sighs> describing somebody as loam. Mm. Yeah, and you're a gardener. I'm like, yeah. where's the, I was li- trying to listen for the word soil. Then you said loam, and I'm like, okay, yeah, that is soil. <laughs> yes, that's that's the perfect soil. Yeah, that's the type of soil you look for when you are planting things. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Aww. very good book. And yeah, I don't even know what else to say about it, but I just I really enjoyed that readability. Book. Yeah, readability. <sighs> Not that I wasn't. I would say a three, three okay. and a half. Um, that I think it's, it, it still leans itself on like, cause Toni Morrison is just like you said, a very smart, smart woman, smart writer. Yeah. So it can be kind of hard to get through, especially if you've never read any of her other work yeah. before, but I think it's still not that hard to read. You're yeah. still going to be able to understand what, if you read what's Tony, going on. You can... Yeah, you, you can, can cipher through it. You can yeah. be able to. And she doesn't, she doesn't like, which I feel like a lot of white men writers do, purposely try to complicate things. Yes, oh my gosh. She picks the word that is appropriate. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the message is just so, so deeply artistically rooted that the only way to get there is through these very particular words. Yeah. That can really, you can get shook by if you are young, you know, or don't have the vocabulary yet. But keep reading. If it's challenging, keep reading because it'll... Yeah. It'll, it it'll will make be itself clear, clear to you. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And so I recommend this book to young women in their 20s, honestly. Like, Ooh. people like us. So I should I really think, read it, I think huh? you should really read it because <laughs> I, I don't think there are... I think they're a little bit older in the book, but it just felt very relatable. Mm-hmm. Like, in understanding drama between women and, like, their relationships to their mothers Aww. and how that affects who they are mm-hmm. and, like, how they go about the world maybe not even realizing that that's what's going on mm-hmm. but yeah in the and she oh, one thing i also want to bring up about tony morrison that i've 
listen to in a podcast, um, a little juju podcast. If you listen to this, please. About Toni Morrison? We want to talk about this. Yes. Just a little tidbit. But like she... Oh, was that a shout out to Lil Juju podcast? Yeah. Oh, yeah, girl. Yeah. We want you. If y'all listen to Lil Juju and you know Juju, get her on this yeah. fucking podcast. Tell Juju we want to talk to you, you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like um, talking about hoodoo and like mm-hmm. um, spirituality and like magic in her books and she talks about that a oh, lot in Sula. I can't remember exactly. I'll okay, have to we'll find, find it, it and like give it to you or even link it. But um I love those little tidbits so mm-hmm. so much cuz that's I'm I don't know if y'all know me but I've been proclaimed a bruja. I've been called a witch mm-hmm. <laughs> so many times before. But um that's something I'm leaning into. But I I love it. I I think that's also a an important part of her books that I think is not as highlighted outside of like her language and her use of imagery and what she talks about, but it's an important part, and especially in terms of just black culture period. Mm-hmm. So yeah. 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 If you don't get anything else from the episode, go read anything by Toni Morrison. Oh yes. I have yeah. more. I've been wanting to read Beloved. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. I feel like the only Beloved is really painful to read if anyone mm. has seen the movie it's really painful to watch the movie painful to read but i think it's one of the best pieces of literature about slavery yes outside of autobiographical yes. stuff yes but like outside of biographical stuff i know like there's other novels like the underground railroad by colson whitehead and whatever but we're not talking about me right now i think beloved is the best one because it's very interested in getting into the intimate lives of these people who were enslaved People who were enslaved, not slaves. Yes. So all these experiences of these characters in this book, the forefront is not about them being enslaved. It's the about aftermath. them under the aftermath yes. and understanding their place in America and just their family. Yes. After and not slavery. The brutal, icky parts that we always see yeah. on TV. Yeah. And, like in and those parts yes. are in there because you can't deny right, exactly. those parts of the story. It's but not that central. is not exactly, exactly. Um Rebeloved, re-jazz. I love jazz. Jazz is also, to me, one of the funner, funnier, like, drama-filled. Mm-hmm. Um, it ha- it's literally based on, like, jazz music and, like, such a good book. Um, Paradise, I had to stop reading because it got a little heavy, but she plays around with the structure of that book. Like, each chapter is about a different character, and they're all talking about this one event from different perspectives. And the interesting thing about that book is, like, you don't know any character's race. So that's read paradise she talks a lot about the notions of paradise like literally like right like utopia and things like that i haven't finished that and i've already like whew, in deep um my mom I, has that book on her bookshelf yeah mm-hmm. i used to see that growing up so and I was good like, what so good but, i haven't read a mercy mm-hmm. i haven't read tar baby i haven't read sula mm-hmm. um i brought i bought um the source of self-regard which is a collection of essays by tony morrison a lot of people have been reading that lately. I Song think. of Solomon. I know that's Ariel's favorite. Oh, I want to read that. Ariel I loves that book. That. Um, Playing in the Dark. That's nonfiction. Anything by Toni Morrison. I don't care if it's fiction, nonfiction. Just fucking read it. Just You'll fucking gain read something. It. And I, I firmly believe that books find you yeah. at the very right time. Like yes. when they're supposed to. Yes. And they have something to tell you mm-hmm. when they find you. So you'll find something. Yeah. Go looking. You'll find it. <laughs> All okay. right. Nia. Number three. This is one of the last novels that I read. Is it the last novel that I read? 
It's the last novel that I read that was like, oh my God, like I was in tears. Um, Home Going by Yai Gyasi. It came out in 2017, so it's fairly new. Y'all, <sighs> this book, this book is also about slavery, um, but it's not completely about slavery. So I'll read to you a synopsis of this book because I borrowed it from my Lynn, so I don't have it with me to read an excerpt, but I'm sure y'all are might be tired of me reading excerpts. Maybe not though. <laughs> um, so I read you a synopsis. Two half-sisters, Effie and Essie, are born into different villages in 18th century Ghana. Effie is married off to an Englishman and lives in the comfort in the palatial rooms of Cape Coast Castle. Unbeknownst to Effie, her sister Essie is imprisoned beneath the castle's dungeon, sold with sold sold with thousands of others into the Gold Coast booming slave trade and shipped off to America, where her children and grandchildren would be raised in slavery. One thread of homegoing follows Effia's descendants through centuries of warfare in Ghana as the Fante and Asante nations wrestle with the slave trade and British colonization, while the other thread follows Essie and her children into America. From the plantations of the South to the Civil War and the Great Migrations, from the coal mines of, of Pratt City, Alabama, to the jazz clubs and dope houses of 20th century Harlem, right up to the present day. Homegoing makes history visceral and captures singular and stunning immediacy how the memory of captivity came to be inscribed in the soul of a nation. What I love about this book is that it's like, it's kind of like if African-Americans could hug their ancestors like mm. before slavery. That's how it felt because it's like offering this idea of completion to this period in history that is so fractured. Like we just perceive it as like, because it is, it was like a literal like, ripping of like culture and people and literally little bodies right like complete dis disaster and the book is like following these two people who are related by blood and one of them stays and like we learn more about like what colonization like what africa looked like post-slavery beyond oh. just like right and it's not um i don't know how how rooted in nonfiction it is. Mm -hmm. I mean, how rooted in like truth it is. It is a novel. It's fiction. Um, but each character, each each character, each chapter is about a different character. So we bounce back from a character who is in America, a character who's in Africa, and we keep going back and forth. Mm. And it's so beautiful because from chapter to chapter, like you would think, there's no lapse in synchronicity at any point. Like. Their experiences are so, and there's reoccurring things of like fire and water and earth um, from chapter to chapter in all these characters' experiences. Um, are we seeing certain like instances repeated that happened earlier? It just made me think about how like, how maybe my life is not so dissimilar. Mm. Or maybe thankfully it is dissimilar from my ancestors, but maybe the small intimate ways that we are the same. Like maybe my great-great-grandmother or my ancestor who like, somebody who I'm related to now in fucking the Ivory Coast, right? Might also love reading the way that I do. Or maybe also wear, wear glasses like I, you know what I mean? Like just random shit like that becomes devices in the book, which I think is so cool. Um, and Yagayasi is someone who does not have to use a lot of words, but the point is very clear. Even more so like, I would say that the complexity of syntax is the same as like Toni Morrison and Zora Neale Hurston, mm. but they, Yagayasi figures out how to use less complex words. So I feel like readability, I'm going to give this one 
maybe a two. Okay. It just in terms That's of good. like understanding. Yeah. Like I I don't remember ever having to Google what a word meant. <laughs> I was about to say I feel like that book is um the way I look at it it feels like a you like a young adult. It is novel. It like, is, but so... I think the thing it is I would say it is young adult. Mm-hmm. But I think the themes are probably. I would say young adults should read these themes, but it is about like slavery and chain gangs and stuff like that is in there. But it's not like each chapter is different, so the experiences change. Mm-hmm. But it does deal with subject matter in regards to like slavery and sexual violence and whatnot at certain points, if I remember correctly. Like, I read this in, what, December, January? But I love this book. Yeah, I was crying at the end. Because at the end, the last chapter, two characters, they don't know it, but they both come from, they're descendants of the two first characters I meet, Effie and Essie, the two half-sisters. They're descendants of them in, from America and Africa. And they meet in grad school and they become friends. And that's the end of the book. <laughs> and I just love that because I fucking love some corny-ass poetry. That's shit beautiful. Like that. And, like, to never... It's just like a bond that supersedes time. Right. Yeah. yeah. So that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. I yeah. love shit like that where like yeah. time doesn't matter. Place doesn't matter. None of that matters. Like just the core, the little core part of our human existence is highlighted. Yeah. I love that. So Homegoing by Yaki Yassi. Read it. Readability. I'm going to give it a two. Um, I think young adults should read this. I think. I feel like everybody could stand to read this because there's a character in here for everybody. I feel like I think there's a character in here for everybody. Um, like actually, everybody go buy this because Yagayasi is the everybody we talked about until this point is passed on. Yeah, Yagayasi is alive and still writing. She has a new they. I don't know Yagayasi's pronouns. Has a new book out called Transcendent Kingdom. I haven't read it yet, but I bought it because I'm like, I fuck with you heavy and yeah. I need you to stay. So go buy this book. I'm going to go buy it too because I borrowed it. But go buy this book. It's crucial that you go buy this book. Um, Yeah. A wonderful writer who I think is in the same vein as Toni Morrison and Zorna Hurston who is here with us. Mm. Like, so. I like that. Take that as you wish. But very important book to me. I've heard a lot of similar sentiments about that book from black women on the internet. Yeah, my yeah, Lynn, like, literally, when me and my Lynn were living together the whole time, she was like, read this book. Nia, you need to read it. I'm telling you, you need to read it. And I was like, I believe you. I believe you. I just don't have time. But then once you graduate, I was like, I'm leisure reading again. And I brought this book from her, and she was correct. Because <laughs> she, I think she read it as soon as it came out. Like, she's been mm. telling me to read this since our first year of college. Oh my goodness, really? Yeah, it came out in 2017. Why did I, I feel like I've been seeing it more and more recently than I would have seen it than with the entire time we were in college. Maybe the book is trying to find you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, no. <laughs> but that's that's my spill on that. Love this book. All right, my third work is by the illustrious... Cancerian, mm-hmm. the above all, the end all, the be all, June Jordan. I don't know June Jordan. I don't even read that many. I haven't even read that many things by June Jordan, but I know I love her. Like, Nia just bought me Directed by Desire, and just a wonderful gift of just June Jordan poems. Like, 
she's such a bad bitch. And I feel like I just resonate so hard with her, especially in terms of themes of like rebellion and just anger and understanding where all of that is rooted from. But I was going to read this other section about a poem about called a poem about my rights, Mm -hmm. but I hadn't read the full length Mm -hmm. before. I had only written like read like the last five lines in the middle of a Loretta Ross essay. Mm-hmm. But I have this one poem that has stuck with me since I saw the name of it. It's like, oh, I love that. Like, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. You know me, you know me, you see me. Called, um, I must become a menace to my enemies. Yeah, you got to read that for That's now. a cold title, first of all. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, I wish y'all could know me more than the audio. Some of y'all do, but like, if you know me, you know me. That that, that makes sense. Okay, I'm gonna read this whole thing because it's not that long, but it's good. Okay, so I must become a menace to my enemies. Dedicated to the poet Augustino Nito Neto, president of the People's Republic of Angola, 1976. One. I will no longer lightly walk behind. A one of you who fear me. Be afraid. I plan to give you reasons for your jumpy fits and facial tics. I will not walk politely on the pavements anymore. And this is dedicated in particular to those who hear my footsteps or the insubstantial rattling of my grocery cart, then turn around, see me, and hurry on. Away from this impressive terror I must be. I plan to blossom bloody on an afternoon, surrounded by my comrades singing terrible revenge in merciless, accelerating rhythms. But I have watched a blind man studying his face. I have set the table in the evening and sat down to eat the news. Regularly, I have gone to sleep. There is no one to forgive me. The dead do not give a damn. I live like a lover who drops her dime into the phone just as the subway shakes into the station, wasting her message, canceling the message of her call. Fulminating or forgetful, but late, and always after the fact that could save or condemn me, I must become the action of my fate. Two, how many of my brothers and my sisters will they kill before I teach myself retaliation? Shall we pick a number? South Africa, for instance. Do we agree that more than 10,000 in less than a year, but that less than 5,000 slaughtered in more than six months will. What is the matter with me? I must become a menace to my enemies. Three, and if I, if I ever let you slide, who should be extirpated from my universe, who should be cauterized from earth completely, law and order jerk also the first, the terrorist degree. Then let my body fail my soul and its bedeviled lecheries. And if I, if I ever let love go because the hatred and the whisperings become a phantom, dictate I obey in lieu of impulse and realities, the blossoming flamingos of my wild mimosa trees, then let love freeze me out. I must become, I must become a menace to my enemies. Isn't that poem something, though? Like, 
I must become a menace to my enemies. When I read that, I was like, that feels like the core of, a part of the core of who I am. Yeah. Like. Said, and if I ever let you slide. Yeah, like. (laughs) Yeah. If I ever let you slide. Yep. Like, good luck. Yeah. Like, good luck after that. Yeah. Like. And she talks about one thing that is so cool to me, and I feel like a parallel to my life, is that she talks about South Africa a lot. Like, a lot of her poems are charged by the political happenings of the time. And um, I just had a really, like, I guess, like, I don't even know spiritual, but just, like, a big... South Africa is a big part of my life. Like, a big part of my, like, pushing me into adulthood. And, like, it has a lot of, like... Just revolutionary energy. Yeah, another book it's that you're so, gonna talk about is Yeah, about it also South talks Africa. about South Africa. Yes. But I think just like we need more of I must become a menace to my enemies energy. Like mm-hmm. black people, period. Like we need to hate the system so much that we make it a like part of our goal is to make your life that much fucking harder because you continue to kill us mm-hmm. like that like you like you said in our last episode that like it's already our lives have already been paid for in blood like mm-hmm. us being able to live our lives is already paid for like so what am i out here doing making life easy for you yeah. like you know you're not about to be able to catch me yeah no i need to absolutely be a the fuck not yeah i'm a problem to I'm you a fucking I'm, problem. i was a problem the minute i popped out like yeah. i'm a problem so yeah just like this is just so and like i i think my favorite part is is and if i if i ever let love go mm-hmm if I ever let love I feel like we're go. a book club. Yeah, we are. <laughs> Me and so I bought this book. John always loved June Jordan, but then I mm-hmm. was like buying books when I first got my unemployment. <laughs> and I bought this book and I every day I read a poem out of it. And I got John a, the copy for her birthday. So mm-hmm. I brought mine over to her house and we were both reading, reading it, it together. <laughs> this is Bible study. This is yeah. <laughs> honestly, huh? But then let love freeze me out. She said, I don't care. If I ever let love go because this is too much for me, like, if, because I have to be a menace to my enemies, fine. Fuck it. Like, that's a very deep commitment. Yeah, that is. That That's deep. And yeah. I, I don't think I'm there yet, In, but it's, I have that spirit in me. And mm-hmm. so I feel the spirit of the rebellion Within this in poem. this poem yeah. so much. I like the line, I must become the action of my fate. Mm. Because yes. I think, like, like how you said, and it really repositions the word menace, because, so, like, this poem is broken into three different parts, and the last sentence is always, I must become a menace to my enemies, except this one says, I must become an action of my, the action of my fate, which is interesting, because, like, my existence, in some ways, already is menacing, but I need to be a menace, like, I need to enact a fate for myself that is my own, mm. that is not yes. in accordance with y'all, which means... I gotta terrorize y'all. Yeah. Because I am not gonna live in terror myself. Like Period. Yeah. <laughs> and I fucks with that message. <laughs> like I I think also just I don't know if this is people probably perceive cancers differently, but like when I think of June Jordan, I think soft. Yes. Like just her name just gives me soft vibes. Like 
but she not soft. No. Like, she no. she's not soft. No. And I, I think <laughs> this makes so much sense that you love this poem, because let me tell you one thing about Jana. Jana will bark at a white person. Jana will bark at people in public. And that's fucking funny to me. Not even really. You're not like bark like a dog, but like. No, but like, like, like fucking Black Panther, like, like, get out of my face. Like, yes, you will. And you have. I have. I'm thinking of that you, when that man came up to us at the beach. Uh-huh. He was getting chicken and he was asking like, you got a boyfriend? You got a boyfriend? You got a boyfriend? He got to me and I said, you lucky you got chicken. Yeah. Like, like you need to leave. You're pushing it. Yeah. But like, you know, like just. I, I think I go up and down a lot with just it being able to express softness and hardness and how it is. And that's really convoluted in terms of why. But, like... Yeah, you got a lifetime to figure that yeah, out. Yeah, and understanding just, like, when to bring that out mm-hmm. and, like, why. Like, because you're my enemy. Like, mm-hmm. you are at the core of it. You're bothering me. Yeah, and I don't have to play nice. Yeah, I don't. And, yeah, we don't. Yeah. And I think that June Jordan does a beautiful job of... Yeah. Not playing nice. Yeah. She might look nice. Like, just like on your story for mm-hmm. my birthday, this girl gonna say, she look innocent. But she liked she look, to fight. But she liked to fight. That's June Jordan. Yep. Yes. Yes. Yep. So, readability. I think poetry that has, like, um, very specific meaning or yeah. more, like, deeper meaning than whatever. <laughs> I think poetry, period, just has deeper meaning than what's on the surface. Um, this is, is pretty going easy. to be hard, but I would say it's pretty easy. So yeah. I'll, I'll give it a three. Um, yeah, this is pretty easy. Two or three. So it just depends on what you're reading. I feel like um, Nia just pulled up a poem that she highlighted in this book. I've highlighted so many of these. Yeah, like I this book is Jana like embodied, but I think this is a great one to have on the list because so many of these poems speak and say different things. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the great thing about compilations by authors who, like, aren't here big. with us anymore. Yeah. Is because, like, we... I feel like I can really view, like, where she might have been, where June Jordan might have been in their life when they yes. were writing these. Yes, Because they're, like, compiled after the fact. After yes. everything that I've written has been written, how do these things play with each other? Yeah. And I think that's I what makes that. it so, like heartfelt to read but also like mm-hmm. I was telling John I think a lot of these things are so fucking funny and so timely like one of my favorites I'm not gonna read it but it's called From Sea to Shining Sea From Sea to Shining Sea and I read this like in February like right after the insurrection and all that shit happened and like we were still like in the heart of the pandemic before vaccination mm. was a thing and I just made so many correlations between this poem in COVID. And this poem was written probably like not even in the 21st century. Mm. Maybe. I don't know. I'm assuming. But it's just so like beautiful. And there's a recurring theme of like, this is not a good time to be a child. This is not a good time to be a woman, to live in Queens. Mm. And like, it's just such a, this was not a good time to be gay, to be black, to be a pomegranate or an orange. Like, it's a, such a good Yes. Poem. She, I think also one of the things about her work is just talking about understanding displacement and not feeling comfortable in where we're at but still having to live in it Mm -hmm. and i really resonate with that just the feeling extremely uncomfortable just feeling like everything's telling me that i'm wrong i'm wrong i'm this i'm that and it's like 
actually, I don't want to be any of these things. That's part of why we made this fucking podcast. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, I, I, I would, I love that about her. Yeah. So, I think everybody should read June Jordan. Everybody, particularly black women. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Especially if you're looking for literature that makes you feel like home. Yeah. Nestled. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Nia, your turn. Next. For text. I would not, this would not be Nia's list. <laughs> If Nia did not have a play on here. Of course. But yes. this is technically... Um, it's called a choreo poem. It's a choreo poem, but it's often, you know, directed and played in a theater space as a play. But it is, in fact, a choreo poem. Um, and written much so like poetry is written with characters. Mm. Um, so... For Colored Girls Who Have Considered Suicide When the Rainbow's Enough by Nozaki Shange. Please do not think of the Tyler Perry movie <laughs> as I talk about this. Ugh. Because this, and what's so interesting is that... So violent. A violent, violent. It was extreme. But, I just, but here's the thing. Not to say that I know that this book entails those things, but I don't know. Something no, about I'm that gonna, movie. No, I'm going to talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> so when I, I first read this play like our second year of college because I was doing stage management for this play and I just read it like I didn't um I just read it to like find an audition piece right but I didn't read the fucking foreword mm. which is written by Nozaki herself and it really changed I read this play recently like I think last month or month before and reading the foreword really changed how I read the work because I'm someone like I love to read writing, but I'm also someone who loves the artistic process mm -hmm. and being involved in my own artistic process, but also other artists' artistic process is really cool to me. So, like, reading four words written by writers themselves or by other writers about a piece of work um, really changes how I read because it it sets the intentions of, like, why I even wrote this, which matters to me when I'm we're talking about, like, why I should read it. Yeah. Why'd you write it? That's why I should read it. You know, what do you want? What do you hope that I get from it? Regardless of what I do get from it, why did you write this? Um, and the forward really changed so much for me. And she talks about her experience getting this, getting this to be written and like her anxieties around being a writer and how it was such a communal process getting this to come to be, um, which I really loved. But I love this play because... Um, so each of the characters is assigned a color. The lady in brown, lady in red, lady in purple, lady in blue, lady in green, um, and lady in yellow. Oh, I have to read this book. Yeah. Or this choreo poem. I think you should read it. It's a really easy read. So readability, I'm going to give it a two. Um, it does have some like kind of dialectal, dialectal, lady in purple, did I say purple? Um, lady in brown. It does have some like dialect type stuff, but it's not confusing if you're not a cracker or just un lived under a rock. Um, I'm not going to read excerpt, but I am going to mention my favorite poems within this. Um, I love Lady in Yellow's first um, graduation night poem. It's just so much fun. And when I stage manage, I got to see like actors do it out, which was like so much fun to watch. Um, but I love Lady in Brown's Tucson, the overture monologue. It's basically this, this, the actors were counting when she was young. She had this love and fascination for books, which is very topical for this episode, right? She loved books. And she found this character. She, like, 
they told her, you can only read in the young kids section. But she snuck into the adult reading one day and found Toussaint the Overture, which is one of the leaders of the Haitian Revolution. And she fell in love with like, like her love for reading transferred into her love for this black man, Toussaint Louverture, who was not like, like, you know, Haiti, like they beat the white people and they, you know, like refused slavery. <laughs> so that became so important to her that she runs away to go find <laughs> Toussaint Louverture. And she runs into this young boy whose name is Toussaint because she's in fucking New Orleans, I think, like somewhere in the South. So of course you're going to meet a damn Toussaint. Yeah. So she meets a Toussaint like, oh, well, you know. He'll do. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> He'll do, um, which is so funny. And a core of the play and a core that Nozaki talks about in the foreword is a main theme of this play is like a, talking about the experiences of women of color, black women who are in intimate relationships with men. Um, and kind of you were talking about like Zora, like Sula deals with inner worlds. Mm. I think this play does that because it's just these all these women, lady in whatever color, communicating with these other women and finding parallels within their experiences to tell this cohesive story of how it is to be a woman and be involved with intimately or exist in a world where men are centered. So much like most of the things that happen in the movie plot wise are things that happened in this choreo poem. The word violence just, I don't know. It is. Yes. Like the particular traumatic thing that happened in the movie that everybody is so stuck on happens in this play, in this choreo poem. But I don't know. I don't like violence in like art if it's purposeless. Like it has no, and I feel like every time I've read this, I've never felt violated in the way that the movie makes me feel. Like it's very contextual to the fact that, and I think maybe that has a lot to do with the fact that this is a woman's yes shit, not Tyler Perry's. Right. So, I don't know. But There's a lot to say about him taking yeah. that and his interpretation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, nonetheless, I still really love, like, it's a truth. Like, there is a lot of violence in women's experiences with men. So, that's, like, a truth of this story being told, um, which I really like. And I also really like Lady in Red's monologue. Um what page is this? Oh, she talks about butterflies and sequins, and she's basically recounting, um, like, she's someone who, like, is, like, how you were talking about um, Sula, right? And how she's not the type to catch feelings for men. She just has sex with them, see a way out, I'm cool. Um, it's kind of like an internal monologue of this woman's experiences with that and, like, mm. the emotional toll of that and what that means for her. Um... And, like, wanting to be loved in the way that I want to be loved. Like, that's an actual line from the play. And I just really love this play. Every time I hear it or see it or it just feels like, wow, like, I resonate with so many of, like, every character feels like somebody who I could have been or could have felt or could have experienced. Um, must read. Um, Nozaki Shange passed away, I think, in 2018. Really recent, huh? Yeah. Yeah. In 2018 or even 2019, um, a year after I had became familiar with the play. Um, but please read this. I think this is also one of those books where, like, black, even though it is more so for, it's generally women of color, it's understood that these experiences of these people are particularly black. So, like, black female subjectivity is the core of this piece also. 
um, which is why I love it so, so much. Um, readability, I'm going to stick to my two. <clears throat> black women read this. If you're not a black woman, I think you should read this too. And I would be really interested to see what you glean from it because a lot of people were upset. A lot of particularly men were upset at the play because of its negative depictions of men. Um, anyway. It's just honesty about women's experiences with men, which is hard for a lot of men being in actors of violence towards women to handle. Oh, yeah. Um, so if you are not someone who identifies as a femme or a woman, I would be interested to see what you glean from this. Um, so yeah, you read it too. I think everybody, if you have not noticed up until this point, all of the work we've talked about, the audience is black women. Yeah. And if they're you are subjects. Not a black woman, you have mm -hmm. so much to learn from just listening to black women. Try reading any of the things that we have presented to you just as a person, like not looking to judge or yeah. to persecute or to validate or invalidate any particular point of view, just fucking read. That's that on that. Moving on. I <laughs> had this realization of how like black men in particular mm -hmm. should listen to not only our podcast, but just like if you find that you're not listening to black women in real life, like in your daily life, listen to podcasts at least. Like listen to something else that's recorded. Listen to music. So then you can learn how to listen to them in real life. You yeah. know, like, or even just like reading. That's this. It's I think very, reading is really, it's, it's really the powerful. best way. Yes. Yeah. Like you can see the words on the page. Yeah. And, and reading forces yeah. you, which is why like we've often, me and John talk about like, oh my God, that book was so hard to read. Cause it forces you to deal with yourself. Cause it's yes. like, it's not like it's, I'm somebody's narrating or telling me this, like I'm reading it and I have to read it and digest it on my own, which yeah. makes me deal with me as the digester and the reader. Yeah. So I think reading is podcasting too can do that for you. Like, hmm, like just being a fly on the wall in a conversation. But yeah. Yeah. All right. Our my fourth book. Your fourth. Which I've talked about this. I talked about this in our very, very first episode. If anybody oh, yeah, remembers, yeah, yeah. because I had come out of You just read a it. Crazy summer, yes. And um It's What We Lose by Zinzi Clements. Mm -hmm. And this book so it, it talks about this girl and um, this young black woman. I can't remember if she's biracial or not. She Maybe. is. Oh, she is? Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. Her dad's. Both of her parents are from South Africa, but one of... I know she's... Is she light-skinned or is she biracial? I don't know. I know she's lighter-skinned, though. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, it, it's not really focused on... I mean, like... Yeah. It just, yeah. like... I know somebody white, though. Yeah. <laughs> Not the main character, somebody white. <laughs> yeah. But it talks about her relationship with her mother because her mother gets cancer. Mm -hmm. And it's following her as she's, like, dealing and grappling with that and, like, mm -hmm. grief and her mother's sickness and also herself Yeah, at the same time understanding herself. And her mom's from South Africa. Mm -hmm. And she ends up going towards the end of the book, I think, after her mom passes. Or she's, she's she had gone multiple times, mm -hmm. I think, throughout her life. But she ends up reconnecting with her family and, like, understands her mom a lot more. And I remember crying. At <laughs> no, I cried when I read this I book, too, I cried so hard. I was like, oh, my goodness. Because I had just come back from South Africa and losing my mom. So I was like, this book found me at a crazy, crazy moment. But I also really identified with the character so much. I 
there were several times in that book where I was like, I would have said something like that. Like, that I literally <laughs> thought that, like, it just felt like it was me in the book. Like, for sure, for sure. And I don't have it with me because I went to, this is when I was checking books out at the UCLA, like, library. Mm-hmm. And I would just go in and, like, find different things to read. And I just, like, saw that book and I was like, I don't know what this is about, but let me just pick it up. So it just felt even more like. Oh, that is crazy. Because it wasn't very... like somebody recommended it to you. No. Yeah, not you, at all. that book literally said. Like, yes. Got you read by it the... right yeah. now. You need this right now. So. Aww. I, and I later talked to my friend Bills about it because um, mm-hmm. they had actually read it before then. And I was like, I think they had seen me reading it when I was in the office. And I was like, oh, like, I didn't even know anybody knew this book. I just thought it was really random. But I could not put that down. Like, I was I was in the thick of taking classes, going to an internship, and would find time to read it, like, yeah. before I would go to sleep or, like, Aww. in between, like, work and stuff. So, I just, I don't even know what else to say. It just has a very near and dear place in my heart because yeah. of the, whatever, like, my emotional significance at that time. Mm-hmm. So, which is, I think a lot of these books, like, they just, like... I'm, they're tied to very specific memories and very specific reasons as to why I read them. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was so entertaining and interesting. And so readability, I would say it's like a one. It's like yeah, a YA novel, honestly. Yeah. yeah, it's the, it's the most easy. YA of everything yes. we've talked about. Yes, yeah. extremely easy to read. And I would recommend it to anybody at any time. I think so um, too. Especially if I think if you're dealing with grief mm-hmm. in that moment um i think it was really helpful for me to just have some type of like physical expression of how i was feeling and how like somebody else could be feeling you know just like mirroring that back to me and just being able to see and understand like okay this is very human yeah in like a very um just like plain way mm-hmm. so yeah that's beautiful I'm, i read it like not too long. Yeah, I remember we talked about it a little bit. No, I read it like during the pandemic, I think. Oh, really? Wait, I can't remember when you had come up to me and told me that you like read you it. I feel like you finished it and then like three months later I read it. Yeah. But you, this was fall when you read it. So this by was... three months later, we were in the pandemic. Yeah, we were. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah, yeah, we had no senior year basically, y'all. Um, yeah, but I remember reading and I was crying too. Yeah. And I know like you related to it in a way like... Because your circumstances were very akin to the characters. Mm-hmm. Mine weren't at all. But I fucking So beautifully Like written. a baby. Yes. Beautifully written. I think similar to like how I felt about Hongo and Yagi Yasi. Mm-hmm. Not at all complicated language. I don't even think the syntax is no. complicated in that book. But it's just so... Like I felt... It was easy to build imagery. Yeah. Easy to build was. imagery. Mm-hmm. And I felt like every... Everything was so like... Co- colloquial? Like, yeah. yes. the language was simple, not like it was like broken language or anything like that, but just it felt like the way I would talk about my everyday life is how I read it. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And that's what I, I really enjoyed about it, too. There's something about me in South Africa. I don't know what she got to say to me, but yeah. we're linked. So, yeah, very, it, it's so easy. Go read that book. Yeah. You ain't got nothing else to do. Okay. <laughs> Udnia's last word. My last one. My last one is technically a research paper. So, um, oh, how do I talk about this? So, it's a research paper called, what? Anyways. Sorry. I'm trying to pull up the document. It's acting weird. So, it's a research paper called Set Your Blackness Free by, um, 
Ooh, what's this lady name? The document didn't come up. Um, the woman's last name is Ford Forgenson, and she's right. She writes this research paper about um, this woman who was involved in the Black Arts Movement in Harlem, New York, in the nineteen sixties. And Dr. Barbara Antier is a woman who um, founded the National Black Theater in Harlem, New York, which is still alive and kicking today. Um, and it's so interesting. Like, I feel like this essay, the same way you talk about, like, this book found you, this essay found me mm. at such the right moment in time. Like, I was, when I came to UCLA, I was like a college major and I jumped right into research and I was beginning to do my own research project. And after I read this, I pivoted and I was like, I need to do research on black performance methods. And like, that's what I want to do. Cause at the point in time, I was like, I'm going to do research on psychology. But I was like, none of that feels right. Like, I want to do research on like, blackness and then became black music and then I read this in the middle of doing a literature review and after I read this I was not the same like I was like I I read this and was like I don't even think I want to do research no more like it was the catalyst for me to really understand like who I really was snaps to that <laughs> as a yeah who I really was as a artist right and being like I'm not my only role is not to just like theorize like this is meant to be felt and I cannot really get in inside this experience without being a doer, you know, being basically a performer and allowing myself to express myself in that way. And Barbara Antia, I just love this essay because it, it catalog like catalogs it um goes through like her work and connects her work to so many different realms of like what blackness is and it this this entry is about the text but it's really more so about anything written by Dr. Barbara Antier and she was just one of the first of all when we talk about the black arts movement which is a very niche part of history that we don't often talk that much about but it's based if you imagine the black panther movement imagine the art of the black panther movement it's the black arts movement the mm. 60s any art produced in the 60s, in New York particularly, we would call the Black Arts Movement. Um, like Langston Hughes mm. is type. No, is he not? That's the Harlem Renaissance. Renaissance. Yeah. Oh, I'm really confused. Black Arts Movement is making me think of... Um, who's that poet? That HBO documentary. Uh, in the Absence of Light. Oh, is about... That, is that... No, that's about Carrie James Marshall. That's not just about just Carrie James Marshall. I haven't about, watched it. Oh. But I assumed really? it was about painting, right? It's about visual art, yes. Visual art. Yes. A visual, like, there were so many different realms of art, and I'm not even super educated. But I do know that, <laughs> particularly when we talk about the Black Arts Movement, the same way we talk about the Black Panther Movement, men are always brought up. Mm -hmm. Dr. Barbara Antier was one of the few women that I know of. Not the only woman. Because I believe, like, Y'all, I'm probably mixed up, but Sonia Sanchez, I think a lot of her poetry was birthed in the 60s also, or just in in congruence with the Black Arts Movement. Um, She's such an interesting character to me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> she has another last name that I'm forgetting, right? Sonia? No, I think it's... Sonia Sanchez. Yeah. That's it? Okay. Yeah. Um, cool. But this is just so important because it was just... The same thing, right, I feel like with poetry is not luxury, like articulating how 
one, like church, and this essay talks about like catching the spirit and like trying to understand that process as a process of like, like revelation and actual like spiritual, like performance and using like validating that as a method of understanding the world and not like just like, oh, it's just ah, catching the spirit. Like that's just the, you know, weird little Pentecostal way. But like bringing it into performance practice and using mm-hmm. this notion of the spirit as an artistic co-conspirator, right? And that's a way of thinking about theater that I think white people are not, the Greeks were not fucking catching the spirit, you know? Like they were not, they were fucking reciting and whatnot. But she made space for African spirituality and religiousness in the theater realm, which really for the first time made me be like, wow, like I could probably see myself doing this, Mm. which was so cool and enlightening to me where I was like, oh my God, this is like, before this, I had never envisioned, envisioned black people doing theater with their blackness. It didn't make sense to me before I read this. And ever since I read this, like, and then, and also like she like founded the National Black Theater Parliament. I read this and I was like, I will make space to do this, which is why I like started that org at UCLA. But that's a whole different story. BPAC. Yeah. But it's in written history. Yeah, I know, huh? (laughs) It just made me feel so empowered. And I like, it's another piece of writing that I think about and refer back to. And something that still feeds me continuously. So I'll I'll link the PDF to that also. Um, Readability is very easy, but I will, maybe I'll bump it up by three because it is a research paper. But it's not like no graphs or none of that shit. It's all like literature based. So it's really easy to read. A few excerpts within it. Um, I wouldn't say everybody should read this. I think people would only enjoy this if they like like stuff about performance theory or um, want to learn more about the black arts movement. Um, people who are doing research on the black arts movement who do not, aren't being inclusive in how they're thinking about it. Please read this. <laughs> Please read this. Anybody who's black, who's in a media-related field, should probably read this. Um, yeah, those are people who should definitely read this. But yeah, thank you. That's my last one, <laughs> Nia, for your written <laughs> works. I have something very special. I think I, you know, okay, because I we we plan these. We yeah, plan. We outline our episodes. But it's not like we read a script or anything. We yeah. just have the outline. So we had picked our works beforehand. This was like a week ago or so. Yeah. And I didn't have my fifth work. And I was like, what am I going to pick? Like, I haven't finished reading the works that I want to finish reading that I know are probably going to impact me or that I would include on this list if we did this episode another time. But I just kept thinking. I was like, Nia's poems, Nia's poems, Nia's poems, oh. Nia's poems, Nia's poems, Nia's poems. And I think it's so special that we have the author sitting right fucking here like so she can talk about the work in more depth like that's cool that's fucking awesome like you remember when we were talking about who art thou that episode and you were talking about your art and you were like oh my god i don't realize i don't talk about my art that much yes i feel like that right now i've never had to talk about these poems jana oh which is so like oh perfect um oh no i'm like Sometimes you gotta push Virgo. Fuck, I'm nervous. I'm up next. (laughs) 
Y'all seen that meme with them little aliens? <laughs> but I actually want to talk about two of her poems. They're in her link tree on her Instagram, skin dot like gold. Um, and she came up with these like what, like a few months ago? We were in the pandemic, and I read them, and I was like, oh my god, bitch! Like you wrote that, you be writing like that, like that's insane, like. I didn't know she had talent like that. I mean, I know she got talent or whatever. But I just feel like this speaks to the deep admiration that I have for oh, Nia. Jonna, and I love her work. I'm not trying to make you, you cry. <laughs> you raggedy bitch. You raggedy bitch. <laughs> she just gave me a very heartfelt card today for my birthday. So oh. don't even play, girl. Okay, I'm going to read the first one. Okay, it's not in order. But this is the first one that I remember in my head of being like, I didn't remember the whole thing, but I just remember being like, this is good. Like, I don't know. I can't think of the whole significance of what exactly is being said, but very few words. Very good, though. Okay, so the title is, Oh, God Has Been Seen. She is our God in the purest form, the image of life and being, full-bellied on the third day, a creation in a dream. A creation in a dream. I think that's the line that got me. They got I think you. it's so beautiful. Yes. Like, can you, can you talk a little bit about that one? Or do you have any words to say about that? <laughs> okay. So, my relationship to, like, writing, things really just fall out of me. Like, I don't even, like, a lot of these poems, like, I've been holding on to for years. Mm. And I just was like... I released these poems for Black History Month, so I was like, it's time to put them out into the world, I guess. Um, and a lot of these, like, I just pulled them out of my notes and kind of edited them and got some feedback on them, but I don't remember much about this. Okay. I don't remember. That's fine. I think the title is so beautiful, too. Like, I think I, it also talks about black women. Yeah. And like, Yeah, I think that's what the core of it is, right? Like, She is our God in the purest form. Yeah. Mm. I don't even know who she is. Mm. But I do know, like, I think, like, just re- hearing you read this, like, bliss. Like, mm. imagining a full belly, like, ugh. Like, and I don't know, when I wrote that, I was like, is she pregnant? Like, I remember asking myself, is she pregnant? I was sitting here saying I don't remember. But I do remember, like, thinking about, like, is she pregnant? Is she satisfied? Like, what mm. is it? I don't know. And I feel like it talks, I feel like it speaks to your spirituality of just like, like on the third day, like uh-huh. God created different things on the third, like on the first day, second day, third day. So I was, I can't, I'm not familiar with that. I remember but, looking up what God did on the third day. Yeah. I was going to say, I think that's important to understanding this. Yeah. I, I, I don't remember what God did on the third day. I'm literally looking it up. Let's okay, see. Let's see. Oh. <clears throat> On the third day, dry land, seas, plants, and trees were created. Mm. But I do remember um, something that has always bugged me. Like, I grew up in church, um, especially after, like, when we got to college, there was this, like, reinvigoration of this idea that God was a woman. And I've yes. been so, I was so obsessed with that, which is why mm. I remember being very keen that this poem was about repositioning our notion of like holiness and God and as female. 
and yeah. feminine yeah and reclaiming that power like of birthing even like we fucking created all this shit yeah. like good luck doing this shit without us but yeah I love that one. You really put me on the spot here. I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, the next one. This is this is the first poem that appears upon her page, but um, a great one. It's called, Would Love to Be Watching from the Sideline. We can't wait to die. I hope that we are not waiting for the day for when love is our only option. That will be the cold day in hell. That will be the day that love runs out of leniency. They do not give unrequitedly. They seek to be reciprocated. There will be no just in the nick of time, heroic finish. This will be the day we all die, polluted by the days we we chose death repeatedly. Then there comes the blossom of resolve, silence, and peace, and space for them to bask in their work, time, to smell the new fruitfulness of their kingdom, to pour life into these wounds we've left. We will know none of this. There is no other side for the grass to be greener on. There was a land of milk and honey. Choose love and do so lovingly. Or die now. That's a cold piece, baby. <clears throat> that first line, we can't wait to, to die. die. And I feel like you said that to me, like, just in person. Mm-hmm. And when I think about it, of just, like, I think it just makes me think about like really living my life. Like Mm -hmm. I like, and this is a reoccurring thing to me. That's like people just like, I've just gotten that message of like, you have to keep moving forward in your life and like really like not, not choosing, not even choosing, but like understanding that time continues to go on Mm -hmm. and that like we need to live our lives fully and yeah, the way that we want to. Mm-hmm. And, and if you aren't, then you are waiting to die. Like essentially, you are waiting to die. And I just like, yeah, damn, bro. Like I remember, I remember so much about writing this one. Oh, I love I'm this glad one. you picked this one. Choose love and do so lovingly. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. I remember writing this, and I I have ideas of what this is about, but mm-hmm. I kind of I don't know. I'm kind of in space. Like, should I tell me what this is about? But whatever. Um, I feel like I've always like I identify with that idea of like. I don't know, my feelings about time go back and forth, right? Time is so menial, but then at the other hand, like, time is, to a lot of people, the enemy of, like, life, right? Like, Mm. the time is going to pass. What am I going to do with it? Like, that's such a crippling thing to have to deal with for a lot of people. Yeah. And I think it, 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 it can be. Like, it's on and off. But I remember when I was writing this, I specifically changed it to they, and that the powers that be whoever they are, are so fucking angry with the way that we've chose to live our lives. And, like, we're just not kind. Like, we're not kind to ourselves and to other people. And, like, why, where's the the rush? And, like, I don't know, maybe part of it is, like, my internal, like, the the title is would love to be watching from the sidelines. Cause I feel like when I was writing this, I would love to not be involved in none of this shit. Like y'all are fucking up the world, but it's really like we are fucking up the world. And Mm -hmm. why are we living our lives like this? Mm -hmm. And there is no like, like, you know, like we're ruining the planet. We have no other, there's no plan B. Yeah. Like, what are we doing? Why are we rushing to our own death? Like, when are we going to make a new decision? 
And what is the point? That's why I'm like, when I end, I'm like, I die now. Like, what is the fucking point? If we're not going to challenge ourselves to make a new choice. Mm. What is the, what is the point in living? And I'm really scratching my head right now because this idea still confuses me. <laughs> but I remember this is why I wrote it. Like, and then the last part was like the sweet release of like being right. Like when shit does go kaplunk and like when this really all is all said and done, like the only person who wins is mother nature or time. Mm. You know what I mean? Like yeah. if we all had to, if we all eradicated from this planet, this planet would continue to remain in this universe. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the constancy of everything that is of nature of natural order is such a beautiful Something that consoles me, like I am one little piece right now, but I'm a piece of something that will go on forever. I think that's beautiful. This is a good. I'm rereading it, like in my head now, like with understanding of the significance and like your, like why you wrote it is amazing. Choose love and do so lovingly. That's my favorite one. The first and like the second to last line. Yeah. That's some good shit. Oh, so thank you, So go Jana. click on this link. It, there's other poems. There's like, what, three, five total? I think it's like, nine. They're one, all two, short three, and sweet four, and good. There's one about five, family that six, I really enjoy. Seven. It's seven poems. Yeah. That yeah. I was like, it just captured, I feel like, my relationship to my family very, very well. Oh, yeah. So I think everybody should go read them. Readability one. Yeah. Like, if, yeah, read it. And they're quick, too. Um, Everybody. Everybody read it. It's on my link tree. It's called Blackness is Growing, Blackness is Forever. Yeah, and that's also one thing that I really like about your writing is, which I relate to this artist, Kia, which I've told you about before, Uh but just, Uh like, the overwhelming but seemingly, like, not there, not even not there, but just, like, undertone of how blackity black... (laughs) blackity black the writing is and I just love that like that's that's an art that's good so well yeah thanks John Poetry. <laughs> read it before Nia becomes famous good luck <laughs> yeah but yeah well that was our written works yeah our written works by black women that we love 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 enjoy mm-hmm. need replenish us yeah fill us ugh we could literally go this on and on could and on. Go even yeah, longer than we this. should make another. We'll probably maybe we'll make a part two. Yeah. In another season. Yeah. In another season. We have so read much more to books. Say. Yeah. Or put your name on it. Yes. Put your name on it. Section is next. Who wants to go first? I can go first. Okay. I am putting my name on. Spirit, the first thing that came to mind, spiritual process. Mm. Um, I think like spirituality is one of those things where we kind of just leave it to chance, right? And, like whenever it calls out to me, but um, I'm putting my name, I'm putting myself in a position to have a practice that feeds me and I'm not waiting to be struck, you know, by spirit, but I'm invested in regularly practicing mm. prayer and time with myself and journaling and reading and learning and investing how to be better and more proactive spiritually and not like just reactive when I'm anxious or whatnot. And within that, like, right, practicing gratitude, 
Um, and also, right, I guess from what I've gleaned from this episode, um, more confidence as a writer. I wouldn't say I'm not confident, but it's just really like, if y'all know, I'm somebody, I don't have stage fright. I will go on the stage and probably do whatever, but for people to read my writing, it just feels more vulnerable than anything I've ever done before. Um, but I don't know. I haven't had nothing but positive feedback from the world, and it makes me feel good. So I should do it more. And I'm honored that you put me on this list with people who we fucking love, like Toni Morrison and Audrey Lord. So I, I guess, <laughs> I guess I'll do a little bit more of it. I guess. Um. <laughs> um. More. I'm manifesting. Just more self-love and learning to love myself in the ways that I don't even know that I don't love myself yet. Mm-hmm. Because, like, Bell Hooks. I'm so surprised we didn't put Bell Hooks on this list. Because we had our moment where we were obsessed with All About Love. I... <laughs> but that book is... We'll, we'll discuss that yeah, later. We'll yeah, discuss that we later. have tons um, of time. But the small ways that I betray myself, that those are no more. That they're replaced with, mm-hmm. with love and forgiveness and patience um and i say this all the time and i'll say it again the agent mm-hmm. and or manager um, mentor mentor yes mm-hmm. and get just good work work where i get to work with people who are interested in teaching me and who challenge me and work that feeds me i think that's it for I now love that Nia, we're literally on the same brain wavelength because I have that realization about turning to my spirituality in times of distress Mm -hmm. and not in times of just gratitude. Like, just being thankful that I have this practice and that, like, I feel connected. So, yeah, I really resonate with you on that. Mm -hmm. And, like, patience. That that was my first one. When you said, I was like, damn, this bitch, why is she in my fucking head? all the time it's really getting hard to tell who's in whose head at this point like i think i think me and you put together have a third brain yeah like no like (laughs) i've just been really understanding and just like really picking up on how easy it is for me to feel other people's emotions like like they'll be in my brain and i'll be like this like and i'll think it's mine but it's not and it's so it's hard to discern Mm -hmm. like what's what so discernment emotional discernment um i think for me going forward because yeah like i came back from vacation just feeling like light as a feather and it's it's easy when you're alone but the real challenge or the real like test i mean it's not even a test but just like the putting it into practice of what you learn from when you're by yourself or whatever when you when you're in a learning stage, like putting that into practice is really difficult. Yeah, so, that's always a hard part. Like, <laughs> like I'm just really thinking. Like, I just had a moment even today of just being like, "Damn, like where are all these emotions coming from? Like, it's not even mine. Like, I can't even get through my own work because I have to sift through all of this stuff. I don't want to keep sifting. I just yeah. want to be able to feel myself and feel yeah. grounded in myself. So, yeah, that it be be patient. I was about to say, being patient with myself yeah. is really hard for me because I'm like, no, we have to keep going. We have to keep going. We have to keep going. Like, I have to, 
like learn how to do this so that I can just like keep going and actually be able to do my work that I want to do and like whatever. So yes, patience, emotional discernment, patience with myself, patience with other people. Um, cause it's easy to just be really impatient with other people. So Oof. like extremely, extremely <laughs> impatient. Say that again. Like, <laughs> so that, um, and like feeling like I can do my work anywhere. I, I need to really get into that mode of making sure that I'm pushing myself to do work outside of my house. Cause I can get really feel really stuck and trapped, but I have a car now Mm -hmm. i can go anywhere i can do anything yeah your car is like the first baby of our put your name on it like (laughs) oh my goodness my license too yes yes so many other things have come to pass but i think that's the most like tangible one yeah yeah and it really changed my life yeah (laughs) y'all didn't see the way she pursed her lips but that'll be, I was thinking about the day when you say that, like, I got my agent, y'all. Like, Yeah, I think about like, that, too. Oh, my God. That's going to be so amazing. Oh, my God. Yes, patient. A good agent. Sorry. Yes. Not no scammer weirdo. Somebody who believes in my artistic yes. vision the way that I do. aligned with Yes. I'm sorry to interrupt. No. It's okay. Patience, emotional discernment, and just, like, not waiting to be inspired by stuff. Like, mm-hmm. I, like just not living in extremes. It's so hard to not live in extreme, especially in terms of creating and being like, I'm going to save this whole day to do this instead of just having it interdispersed, making more part of my daily life. Same thing with my spirituality. So, yes, yeah. those things. Just yeah, one day at a time, one breath at a time. Yeah. So, yeah. this is probably the longest episode of the season. Yeah. But... That's okay, because guess what? This is our last episode of season two. Mm -hmm. So I think it's only in good shit. (laughs) This is two hours long. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus Christ. It's only in good good measure that we recount some of the things that we've proclaimed for season two that have come to pass Mm -hmm. and some things that... We foresee for season three. Yes. Because, baby, me and John, there will be a season three. Yeah, we have plans. Hell or high water. So many things just, like, brewing, brewing, brewing. Like, for real, I'm so excited. I'm already excited. I am, too. I'm already excited. I am, too. Um, Kudos to us. I mean, like, at the end of season one, we were, like... We were. I remember we were like, we're going to come back bigger and better. And then me and Jana, our no next idea. meeting we had, we were like, what are we going to do? Yeah, we had what no idea. What is the next? Not a lick of idea. Yeah, but I like to say, <laughs> I am very proud of us. Because yes. this season has truly been bigger and better. Mm-hmm. And we have learned as podcasters, yes, as people. And I think we did a great job of... Thank you to all of our guests who were on this season. Yeah. Oh, my God. Amazing. Like, thank you. Thank you for sharing time with us. Um, thank you for all our new listeners who joined us in season two. Mm-hmm. Our new social media followers. Yeah, our new People who engage media. with us. Yes. On Instagram, especially. Yes. Like, thank you to Liliana Indigo, Ariel, for really... I, I think what that's part of what really propelled us yeah. this season. Y'all really gave us a new look and a new sound. Mm-hmm. Forever grateful. Mm-hmm. Forever, ever grateful. And that's not the last y'all gonna hear of them. Hello. At all. <laughs> Never. Um, <laughs> but what are Put Your Name On It's for season three? 
Oh, shit. I didn't even think about that. Oh, she surprised me with that. She didn't say that before, y'all. I didn't. But I'm, I'm thinking about it, too. You want me to go? I have some ideas. You Are say, you um, No, you can go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I just have one thing no, that I ahead. really want to put my name on. Ooh. A, a, a production team. Mm, hell yes. Hell yes. Like, if you are someone out there Hell who yes. you have experience producing anything audio. Or you know someone. Or even, like, social media management. Or you know someone. Um, or you're someone who is looking for a podcast to to help bolster and you feel like your values align with the values of our show. Reach out to us. We are looking to collaborate, particularly with black women and femmes, our people who are devoted to centering black women and films in the ways that we are because we need help Absolutely. and we need we a team of people to bring this this thing because it, it's a life i'm it's alive i'm not going to say bring it to life but bring it to the next space like we need community around this because mm-hmm. we cannot do this by ourselves yeah and we do I think also just like bringing Ariel and mm-hmm. Indigo in really yeah like that's community as yeah well. we're so, yeah we built some yeah so now we're just expanding that even further mm-hmm. to make it so we can give y'all the content the purest form the best form of yeah. content without having to worry about all the extra stuff yeah like, like Alexis said like we deserve yeah, better space exactly so we can create better space yes we can record in a better space yes we can give better content yes we can pay people better i was just about to say pay people period yes <laughs> we we want to make it our mission to pay people that come onto our show yeah and to pay people that help us make it happen yeah so because they yes. deserve abundance absolutely so yeah i i fully agree with you that especially on audio engineering I just want to record that shit and send it off. Yeah. <laughs> no, no hassle, no fuss. Like yeah. that's it. Um, but one thing I guess for us is to, I, I think that's the main thing. But just more guests, like really, mm-hmm. really quality guests, and like even just continuing that. Yeah. Just a continuation of what we've already been doing Mm -hmm. and being able to pay them properly like that's the main thing Mm -hmm. um paying people for their time and their intelligence and what they have to say so um yeah but i i don't know i guess this is more of a personal thing or just something that i've noticed but um using my design skills like putting more of that creativity visual creativity into our yes ma'am show because we have some little tingy ting. Yeah, we got ting, some ting, 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 on the way. Yeah, like that I'm really excited about and I've been thinking about on how I want to go about them. But just like enhancing our skill, I guess. Because mm-hmm. um, it, it does take skill to do this. Like mm-hmm. voice and... Yeah. 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 So just abundance, period. Abundance I don't even have to say around. like, yeah, like I don't even know... What else? But being open to it, too. I mm-hmm. think I, even though I channel abundance a lot or whatever, I think I still have a problem being open and being receptive to Because part of your capacity in. to live in abundance is our belief that we deserve to receive it. Yeah, exactly. So, so. You, can't, you can't accept anything that you don't believe in your worth. Mm, period. So, so. We are very worthy. 
Absolutely. Yes, we are more than worthy. Absolutely. I'm also manifesting, you know, with our live and Lamert episode. And oh my goodness. Our yes. Juneteenth episode. We really tried to really push our journalistic capacity. Yes. So more of that, more um, yes. playing around with the that. genres of what our podcast might fall into. Um, and I'm also manifesting more listener involvement. It would be so cool during season three if we could have listeners oh, yeah. submit what their the voices, their opinions. Yeah. Like We want Reviews. to hear from y'all. We love that y'all listen and like and click and whatnot. But we want to build relationship with y'all. Like yeah. we, it's really actually quite imperative because we're saying that our podcast is creating space for Black women and films. But we literally cannot do that in good conscience for our listeners if we don't know how our listeners feel about things. And let me not say that no one does. Like we have some faithful people who comment on all our Instagram posts, who repost, and we love that. But it, can't, it we can't just be in our little you know vacuum. We need a a live diverse community of all different types of black women and femmes. Mm-hmm. So I'm manifesting that y'all find us or we find you, we find each other somehow and that we build community and we discuss and we talk amongst each other. Mm-hmm. And therefore out of that comes opportunity. Yeah. Opportunity. So yes, more engagement. Yeah. Absolutely. Engagement. engagement. With that being said, go leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. I'm still working on um, talking to Spotify about getting a review section. Yeah. <laughs> but leave us a review. We want to know what y'all are thinking mm-hmm. when you listen to these episodes and just what you think about our podcast, period. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. But oh. until next time. Oh my gosh, we really yeah. did it. We did this it. A, woo, we did that shit. We I did it. Season two is a wrap. wrap. It's a fucking wrap. It's a wrap. Love we'll y'all. see y'all on the flip side. Yes. Until but next time. Be on the lookout. Just because season two is, is over. Yes. That don't mean we're going to be quiet. Hello. You have never known me and John to be quiet. quiet. We will have exclusive content. Maybe some things you could touch, maybe. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Some, some, <laughs> some items that you could, you know, maybe display, maybe yeah. wear. Mm. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> but be on the lookout. Stay, still follow us. We're going to be active on social media. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe have some special episodes at some point. Oh, that would be fun. With some special guests. Um, maybe even going live. So we're... we're the this, ideas are have not stopped. Yeah, this chapter yeah. is closed, but the book is still being written. Mm-hmm. I don't know why Natasha Bedingfield stopped yeah, playing in my head. Say, <laughs> so... This is far from over, honey. But we, mm-hmm. no, 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 go ahead. no, no. I, don't, I was gonna make it up. I was gonna say <laughs> we we out. <laughs> yeah, this is so sad. We gotta go. We gotta Pardon cut it short. Such sweet. It's, it is. It is sorrow. very bittersweet. But you know what? I don't want to. When go. you let go of something, something else comes in. That's my Lynn just told me about that. You're right, but I'm kind of gonna that. miss y'all. Don't worry, they ain't going nowhere. They not. We ain't going nowhere either. I know. We just need some space to grow. I know. I, I'm going to be honest. I'm tired. I am tired too. <laughs> but I'm still very excited. And I very, love y'all. Very, very excited. No. Love it. Yes. But all right. We're going to catch y'all on the flip later. flop. Later. Nothing but the hits. Thank you for listening. But more importantly, you're welcome. <laughs> Bye. Bye.